It is a joy. It is a privilege to be here. I am thankful to God for the many friends that he has given to me in the United States of America. One of my oldest friends here, and I'm not talking about his age, I'm talking about the length of time I've known him. It goes back to the 1980s. So we have known each other for a long time. We've been friends. This church has always supported my ministry, always. And for that, I'm very grateful to the church and its pastors also. Very grateful to you all. The hospitality that I've been enjoying these past few days that I've been here is, I feel like royalty. And I'm thankful to God, thankful to those who have been around me, including Miss Mary. <laughs> and I'm very thankful that I was able to introduce my friend to Thai food. <laughs> but we've been having a good time by the Lord's grace. Now, you would find that I preach out of a computer. For those of you who don't know, I have macular degeneration in both of my eyes. I have wet macular degeneration, dry macular degeneration. And it's been 10 years now, and it's been taking its toll a little bit. But again, I'm thankful to God for being here. I want to talk to you all a little bit about why I am here. My purpose for being in the United States is to help a young man in church who has been, he's being used of the Lord in a mighty way so that he can be of help to me in the church. And I'm trusting in the Lord's grace that one day, by God's grace, he'll be able to take over the ministry there. I, like, like every preacher would like for the work behind him to continue on, so too I would like the same thing. And uh, the Lord has used me in many, many, many different ways to plant a few churches. And he has used me tremendously. I'm not a young man any longer. By Trinidad standards, I'm an old man. I'm 73 years old. And um, I'm not in the best of health, but I'm here to try to get some of the churches in the States to help with Christopher because he cannot get a visa. He doesn't have the, he doesn't have the resources to get a visa to come on deputation himself. So, so far I, am, I have been pretty successful to some extent, but I'm trying to meet a goal of $500 a month. And I'm still short of that. So Christopher is a young man. He's been ordained like going on two years now. And um, he's been sitting under my ministry for a long time, since he was a, a young man, I see. He, right now he's in his early 30s. And he is very sound in the word. Those of you who know me and my brother here knows me. I don't cut corners with the word of God. Thus said the Lord is paramount to me. Whatever God has said, that, that, that settles it. Amen. You know, and um, I don't question the Lord's word. So if you can find it in your heart, you pray about it. And if the Lord would move you in any way to help this young man, he has a wife and three children. And if you have any, more, any questions you'd like to ask me about him, I'd be more than happy to try to answer them. 
but he's very deserving, in my opinion. And I, I, my opinion is based upon his qualifications with the Word of God. In my opinion, I believe he's very worthy of help. So do, if you can find it in your heart to help him, then praise the Lord. I'd be more than grateful myself. And I'm sure he will be too. Now, he doesn't know. He doesn't know that I took it upon myself to try to raise this money for him because I know he needs it. And um, pray about it as the Lord would lead you. This morning I want to talk a little bit about the Apostle Paul and his pleadings with uh, this young man of God, Timothy. I'd like for you to turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1, please. 1 Timothy and chapter 1. I'll be reading just a few verses, and I trust in the Lord's grace that you will be blessed, your faith will be strengthened in the Lord, and that your love for him would grow more, and that you would also see your responsibilities as children of God in sticking to the truth. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, reading from verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith. So do. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we bless your most holy name this morning, O oh God, and we thank you, God, for your mercies upon us. We thank you, God, for while we were yet sinners, Lord, you died on Calvary's cross for us, Lord. Your blood was shed, O oh God, that we might be saved, Lord, and through your Holy Spirit, yes, God, we are saved, Lord, and we thank you, God, that we have an understanding to some extent of your word. And in so doing, O oh God, we can grow from your word. We can see our responsibilities from your word, O oh God. I pray, dear God and Father, Lord, for this church, your blessings be upon her. Pray, God, for Brother Jerry Gum. Lord, your mercies be upon him, Lord. Strengthen him. And I pray too for this young man, Derek, Lord. I pray, God, also that you would use him in a mighty way, Lord. Father, I am impressed, God, by the zeal I see in him. I pray, God, you bless and keep, Lord, and his wife, O oh Lord. Bless her, O oh God, and help her to be a good helpmate to him, Lord. Father, behind every good pastor is a good wife, O oh God. And I pray, God, to a great extent, Lord, that you bless them, O oh Lord, and keep them, Lord. Bless your word to our hearts, Lord. Open our hearts that we might understand it. And may in all things you receive the honor and the glory. Thank you, God, for your mercies. Again, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 When, I, when I decided to do the sermon, I had three reasons for it. One of them is you would find that amongst liberal Christians today, the qualifications and the credentials of the Apostle Paul is being questioned to a great extent because of some of the things that he's written. But he wrote as he was moved by the Spirit of God. Amen. He did not 
put down his own thoughts there. When he said, let the woman be silent in the church, that was not Paul's writing. It was God's. God is the author of it. He is the one. For we know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And so, one of the reasons why I, I prepared the sermon is to show that Paul's credentials are intact. That he had every right to write what he wrote there. The next reason is that you find that, I don't know how it is here in the United States, but in our country, there are those Christian leaders who are taking it upon themselves to put the name or the title apostle before their names. And that, I don't know how it is up here, but that is becoming a norm, with, especially amongst the Pentecostal circles. They have the audacity to take upon themselves that godly title of apostle. So, in doing the sermon, I saw the need to also answer how do we know if a person is an apostle? And the final reason I had for preparing the sermon was the need for preaching and keeping and maintaining the apostolic doctrines, Amen. those that are found in the Word of God. Amen. Beloved brethren, the Word of God is very, very plain. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable. It is profitable for doctrine, Amen. for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That we, the man of God, the people of God, will be truly furnished unto all good works. We'll be perfect, we'll be complete Amen. unto all good works. And so, once it is thus said the Lord, we have to stand by it. We have to teach it. We have to continue with it. Now you'd find that after Paul expresses his credentials, that of being a called apostle, called by God himself, he greets Timothy, and then to Timothy, he recounts his pleading with Timothy to remain in Ephesus. Now this is a pastoral epistle to Timothy. But a little should be known about Timothy. He was a young man of mixed parentage. His mother was Eunice, she was a Jewish, and her, his father was a Greek. That is, he was a Gentile. So, Timothy was of mixed parentage, but then he was, we find that he was converted under the preaching of Paul. During Paul's ministry, it seemed to have been during his first missionary journey. And this young man was very, very dear to Paul. Now, it is not coincident. It is not coincidence that I have a young man back in Trinidad whose name is Paul also. He's a Paul. And presently, he is like my right hand. And I do need a right hand. And um, God has been using this young man. This is the young man I'm trying to get help for. God has been using him tremendously. Generally in Trinidad, when a pastor is not in the church, you find that the members of the church tend to stay away when it, have, when it has services. But this is the opposite of what is taking place in Trinidad. We have a new guest, and this morning a while ago, I answered my phone and they called me from Trinidad, 
And um, I was pleased to see some new people there. So this, uh, I don't know, God, God is using him. I, I'm thankful. Just, uh, and he's very dear to me. Just as Timothy was dear to the Apostle Paul, it is the same way this young man is. So he was, Timothy was very dear to Paul. Paul trusted him for his faithfulness and his dedication as a child of God. And we know that later on he would become the pastor of the church at Ephesus. But we may also consider his scripture-loving mother, Eunice. Eunice helped a lot in this. And his grandmother, Lois. Both of them were converted from Judaism to Christianity with faith, making its dwelling first in Lois and Eunice, then also in Timothy, through their influence, godly mothers, godly fathers. You don't know the... the, the we are blueprints for our children. Every parent is a blueprint for their children. And what we draw, what we live, generally you'd find out our children would follow in our steps. We leave footprints for them. So it's important for us to understand this, right? The mother and the grandmother that Timothy had, they also had a very profound influence and positive influence upon this young man. And he was very much loved by Paul and was considered Paul's son in the faith. And by the way, he was a fully ordained minister of the gospel. Timothy was a fully ordained minister. Now today we live in a world where a lot of people are not seeing the importance of ordination. And ordination is a very, very important aspect of the minister's life. It's a public, it's a public recognition that this man is worthy Amen. for what he is being ordained unto. Amen. I still remember my ordination, what it was like. It was in 1983. When I was ordained, there were six preachers there on that ordaining council. And they fired questions at me. I, I answered more than 60 questions. And that night, one of the brothers asked me about the Baptist bride. What do you believe? I said, yes. There is a bride, and she is a Baptist bride. He said, hold on, hold on. He said, I have nothing to ask you again. Nothing to ask you again. This man is a Baptist. <laughs> that was in my youthful days. Um, I was a young preacher then. So these things are very important. Um, I was talking about Timothy being ordained. In 1 Timothy 4.14, it says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying of hands of the presbytery. They laid hands on him. You'd find the same example in Acts chapter 13. When Paul and Barnabas, when they were called the, 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 of the Holy Spirit of God to go out on a mission field, the Bible says that they laid hands on them. Then you would find that Paul also, advising Timothy and others, set things in order, ordain these people. So you would always find that ordination is very important in every man of God. When I saw the importance of that also, I know that Christopher, when he expressed his calling to be preaching, I told him, I said, well, we're going to, we're going to examine you and then we're going to ordain you. And that was done almost two years ago. So you'll have that young man in prayer, please. First of all, I'd, I'd like to consider this epistle that we're reading here. Who wrote it? Of course, we know the answer is given in the epistle itself. Paul was the one who wrote it. And he, 
he was, he was the writer. He was a preacher of the gospel of Christ. He was a minister of the kingdom of Christ. And God had not only called him to be a preacher, but God had called him to even write the scriptures. And as we know, he wrote most of the epistles there. He was the one who wrote them. And um, it, was, it was deemed to be quite an honor. I am sure that he was honored by that. Yet he never saw himself as one high and mighty. He was a very humble person. Even in his name, his name suggested that. His name, Paul. It suggested that he was a very, very humble person. So he was, he was actually commanded to write. And we find that God had given to him a commission to write the scriptures. And so not only was he was given a commission to write scriptures, but on that road to Damascus, when, Jesus, when he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ here on that road, we know that he was called for special service. And he was an apostle. The apostolic calling was a special one. And we find that that apostolic calling was accompanied by special marks. Unlike the marks that you cannot see in those who claim to be apostles today. You are not seeing these marks. And what were these marks? The Bible says there were signs, there were wonders, there were miracles. They were done amongst them with great perseverance. In 2 Corinthians 12 and 12 it says, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So we find that the apostles, they, they, they did, there were many miracles happening around them. And we have numerous examples of that, especially in the book of Acts. Numerous examples. You would find in Acts chapter 2 verse 43, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought amongst the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And so on, you'll find in Acts 15, Acts, uh, all about there. So, but I want to read something here for you. Um, he says here, uh, let me read it here. And Jesus said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoove Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. They were witnesses of the resurrection. That is an important part of the apostleship. They were all witnesses of the resurrection. And we had these great signs and wonders being done. They were witnesses. And... Um, when they were looking for someone to replace Judas, the one chosen had to be a witness unto the resurrection. Beginning from the baptism of John, Acts 1.22, we read that, we quote that all the time when we're talking about scriptural baptism, right? But it also gives test to the fact that the, the apostles had to be witnesses of the resurrection. Jesus told the apostles, he said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses again, both in Jerusalem and Judea, in Samaria, and even unto the uttermost parts of the world. So we find so. That is exactly what they did. They were witnesses, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus in Acts chapter 4 and verse 33. Now Paul, the apostle, in defending his apostleship, he appealed to the fact that he had seen Jesus after he was risen from the dead. He says... In 1 Corinthians 9 and 1, he says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? For these people who are saying that Paul 
You know that he wrote his own thing, that he, he was not qualified. The Bible is very clear. When Paul said, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ, O Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? In verses 7 to 9 of chapter 15, after that he, Jesus, was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, it says, and last of all, he was seen of me. Last of all, Jesus was seen of me. That kills the apostleship. Any, any, there's no claim that will be ever valid today for anyone who claims to be an apostle. It was written, it was written, thus said the Lord, and last of all, he was seen by me. So all of them who keep shouting today that the apostles, let me tell you something, they do not have any call to call themselves apostles. Amen. By the Lord's grace we see. This last passage that I just read here, it is devastating for those who believe that they are apostles today. In order to be an apostle, one has to have seen Jesus after he rose from the dead. Paul says that Jesus was seen last of all by him. He is the last one to see Jesus after his resurrection. Since no one since Paul has seen Jesus, no one can since no one can claim to be an apostle today. So today, within especially you would find within the, the, the Pentecostal movement, the charismatic movement, they are the ones who are calling themselves to be apostles and all this sort of thing. Beloved brethren, let us not be fooled in any way. Even the, 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 the quote-unquote miracles that they claim to... By the way, I can tell you all for a fact that Satan is very capable of performing miracles also. I can tell you that for a fact. I have seen certain things happen with my own eyes. I have seen biblical examples, Moses uh, throwing on his serpent there, and we have seen Janice and Jamris, they, their, serpents became, their rods became serpents also. Only thing we know that Moses' serpent ate them up, you know. But the point is that even Satan is capable. He will send his angels like ministers, um, send his ministers like angels of light. So these things, are, these things are capable. But Paul was an, an apostle. He was made an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God, our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ. So unlike those who claim to be apostles today, his credentials were unquestionable. They were unquestionable. They were from the Father. They were from the Son. He was a preacher of the gospel, a minister of the kingdom. And he says in, in, in the word there, in the letter there now, he says, God is our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is our hope. Jesus Christ this morning is a Christian hope. Amen. Our hope is in him. All our hope of eternal life is built upon him and him alone. Christ is in us the hope of glory. Amen. Colossians 1.27 To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then we find that Paul would call Timothy my own son. Unto Timothy my own son in the faith. Why? He had been an instrument of his conversion. And because he had been a son that served him and served him in the gospel, Timothy had not been lacking in the duty of a son to Paul, and Paul was not lacking in the care and tenderness of being a father to him. And we ought to realize, us older ones, we may not be 
a biological father of someone. But we have a responsibility. I, I remember preaching a sermon on mentors and mentees. It was at King's Edition there in, in uh, South Shore, Kentucky. And I tried to impress upon those who were there, mainly preachers, the importance of taking young men sometimes under our wings and teaching them the word of God. And you don't teach by telling alone. You teach by living also. Amen. The message, the greatest message sometimes we can give to someone is the way we live our lives. And, and this is one of the things that I see about the Apostle Paul that is to be admired. That Timothy was taught by him. We have the pastoral epistles. First Timothy, Second Timothy. In these two epistles we find some personal attention was given to him. So as we look at the epistle, another thing I want for us to notice is that the blessing that he gave to Timothy, it was, it was not his usual kind of blessing. The blessing is grace, mercy, and peace. Usually he would say grace and peace. But here, he says grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father. If you look at verse 2 in the text, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Now Paul usually prayed the blessings of grace and peace. It is only to Timothy and Titus he prayed grace, mercy, and peace. Why? These are pastoral epistles with advice for the ministers in their ministries. Ministers. Ministers stand in need of God's mercies more than others. The darts of Satan are always aimed against you. Against me. That young man there. Anytime you are standing as God's representative, let me tell you, you're open for blows. More blows than the average Christian. And so we find Paul in his wisdom recognizing that we stand in need of God's mercies more than others. Why? Because we need to discharge our duty faithfully and sometimes the people we look up to, us younger preachers, when I was a younger man, I, you are very fortunate. You are sitting beneath the, the preaching of a man who is very wise, not just wise, but educated in the world. I never had that benefit. I had to search the scriptures myself. I, have to, I had to look for books and read and, and study. And when I came to truth, for instance, I practiced open communion. When I came to truth, I lost half of my congregation. When I preached the truth, I apologized to my church. I said, I'm sorry. I've been teaching you all wrong. But I want for you all to know that open communion is wrong. I left half of my church. They left and they go on when I... You said, I said, I'm sorry, you can't join us in the Lord's Supper. You're gone. We got to do it, though. We stand in need of God's mercies. We need grace more than others so that we can discharge our duties faithfully. We need mercy more than others to pardon what is wrong in them sometimes. If Timothy, so eminent a minister, must be indebted to the mercy of God and needed the increase and the continuance of it, how much more do we Christians in these times 
We have so little. We also are in need of God's grace, his mercies. Beloved, I am thankful to God that in all of my ministry, even at this, and I call myself a ripe old man, when I come to this age now, that God has still given me the, the grace that I can still go around trying to preach the word here and there. And I still have a zeal. I'm, I'm seriously considering starting another mission when I get back to Trinidad. I never thought that I would have started a new church building project at 71 years old. 71 years old, I started this building project in October of 2021. And the Lord blessed us. In five months, we were able to complete that building. Today, we are in a new church building. But the um, reason why is only because of God's mercies and grace. That's, it. That's why. That's the only reason why I can do this. Now we find that Paul would tell Timothy why he was appointed to the officer. When Paul pleaded with Timothy there a little bit, he says, he says Timothy, I'm pleading with you. In 1 Timothy 1.3, he says, I besought thee to abide, I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Amen. No other doctrine. Amen. When that preacher told you that don't preach doctrine, that is a lie from the pits of hell. You don't tell people, don't preach doctrine. If we have no doctrine, what do we have? Without doctrine, what do we have? And you find that within these circles of modern Christianity, there are lots of modern Christians, and some of them are coming into the Baptist churches. Well, by the way, a Baptist for me is not a Baptist because of his name, but because of faith and practice. Amen. That is what a Baptist for me is. And I do, I do not have any fellowship with the Baptists in Trinidad because they're all Armenians. Yeah. All of them. We stand by ourselves, brother. We stand by ourselves. But Paul told Timothy, he said, I want for you to teach no other doctrine. Paul wanted Timothy to remain at Ephesus. Why? Because of the needing of the truth. The preaching had to be, that teaching and preaching of the truth was important. Timothy had a mind to go with Paul to continue learning from him. And it was, but it was necessary for Timothy to remain because of the ministry in Ephesus. Paul, as an elder, could have commanded Timothy. He could have done that. But he didn't. Instead, he begged Timothy to return. He besought Timothy. He begged him to remain. And here we can find the, the humility that was found in the, the mentor. The mentor actually was a man of humility. And that is important for us. He that exalts himself shall be humbled, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Yeah. And not only that, not only amongst each other, but we are to, we are to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And guess what? He will lift us up. You do it and he will lift you up. James 4.10. So, Paul, as an elder, he could have commanded him to remain, but he, instead he begged him to remain. Now, Timothy's work was to take care to fix both the ministers and the people of that church because false doctrines had already been creeping into the churches. It had already been creeping into the churches. And he says, to charge them 
that they teach no other doctrine than what they had received, that they do not add to the Christian doctrine under the pretense of improving it or making up for perceived defects in it. You and I have no right to attempt to change the word of God. It is God's word. What gives us the right to... Listen. Okay, December 25th. Everybody's going to be keeping up um, Christmas, right? That is the birth of Christ. But then they say it doesn't matter what day it is, but we just use that day. Now, I believe Christ was... But he was born somewhere around September, October, right? And I've done my research, and that's what I arrived to. But they say it doesn't matter, but who gives us, or what gives us a right to change one another birthday? I am July the 10th. You can't tell me you're going to celebrate my birthday in January the 4th. <laughs> that's nonsense. <laughs> Beloved, Paul told this young man, he said, listen, I want for you to stay here. And I want for you to teach no other doctrine for what we have received. He says, cling to those doctrines as we had delivered them to you. Amen. As we had delivered them to you. And we can rightfully assume that the doctrines were delivered to them. Jesus says in the Great Commission, he says, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Teach them the things that I have commanded you. So we can rightly assume that the apostles taught what we would call the apostles doctrine. That was given to them from the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Timothy was told, do not in allow these fellows to go and preach what they want. Ministers must not only be charged to preach the true doctrine of the gospel, but we are charged to preach no other doctrine. If an angel from heaven preach any other doctrine, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. And of course, the word angel, it could mean the messenger also. It, well, the angelo, right? So, in times of the apostles, there already were attempts to corrupt Christianity. In 2 Corinthians 2.17, it says, We are not as many who corrupt the world. Paul was writing that. So it was needful for this work to be given to Timothy. He must not only see to it that he did not preach any other doctrine, but he must charge others that they might not add anything of their own to the gospel or take anything from it, but that they preach it pure and without any corruption. He was also told to take care to prevent their regarding fables and endless genealogies and strives of word. Beloved, when we see these responsibilities, today we as God's people, the few of us who still are there, we are to proclaim God's truth wherever we are Amen. and without any fear. We are not in this ministry to win the applause of people. God doesn't want for me to save you all. He doesn't want for me to save you. He wants for me to preach the word. And he, through his Holy Spirit, would do whatever would be according to his counsel. 
for his honor and his glory. But we are to be faithful ministers proclaiming the word of God. I have never had a big church. Never. And I'm not saying that because there, there are some defects in me in any way. If there are defects, it might be that I proclaim the truth. That's what some people would feel. He always preaching doctrine. But I'll tell you something. Most of my preaching in my home church here, I always fit in heavily doctrinal teachings in them. Because I want my congregation, if I have 10 people, I want them to know why they are Christians and they must know how they became Christians and how to tell others about how they became Christians. They have to learn that. They must be ready to give an answer of the hope that is within them. Amen. They have to be ready. So I try my best to integrate Doctrinal teachings, where I preach sanctification, all these sort of things, I try to show my people the importance. You cannot even be sanctified without getting it from God. You get it from God first. Every good and perfect gifts, you come from Him. So, Paul told this young man, he says, take care to prevent their regarding fables and endless genealogies and strive of wood. And this is often repeated in these two epistles. We would find in Titus and Timothy steadily going. But amongst the Jews, there were those who had brought Judaism into Christianity, and we don't want to go into all of that, but we know what went on. So too, among the Gentiles, there were some who brought paganism into Christianity. Take heed. Paul said, take heed of this. Be careful of this. Take watch against them, or they will be corrupting and ruin of the faith delivered once to the saints. That faith that was once and for all delivered unto the saints, they would try to corrupt it. Why? These, these practices ministers questions rather than edifying we go back to christmas again let me say something about christmas if you do not know that christmas is paganism you have got to be a dumb person we have so much evidence uh, people who are not christians they can see i mean in these days of modern technology, all you have to do is open Dr. Google. And when you get to Dr. Google, just put in the word Christianity, um, Christmas. And you will come up with all the information that tells you about it. So you don't have to be a genius. Any one of us can. Uh, but that is in almost every church you go to now. The Christians today, they are just, you can't beat them, you join them. That's, that's their philosophy. That's their philosophy. Beloved, there are things that ministers, we would question, we, we ought to question when our people are doing these things too. We are to correct our people in every way. Pagan observances, like all these things, Halloween, right, Easter, all these things, we are to stand firm. Paul told this young man, I want for you to remain in Ephesus and correct them. Earnestly contend for the faith which was once and for all delivered unto the saints. Amen, contend for it. That doesn't mean that you are a troublemaker. You're contending for the faith that was given by God. We have these responsibilities, beloved. What is the end that we as Christians should aim at? We should aim at godly edifying. That is the end ministers should aim at in all our discourses. That you who are sitting 
in the congregation or listening on the radio or on, on TV whatever you might be listening on our purpose for preaching should be that you grow in grace and grow in knowledge that's Amen. what our purpose should be beloved brethren may I say this here Godly edifying must be in faith. The gospel is the foundation on which we build. It is the faith by which we come to God at first. Now, bear in mind that I did explain to you all up front that the reason why I decided to share this portion of scripture is because of the questions that surrounds the Apostle Paul. Because Paul wrote, I do not allow a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man. Paul is prejudiced against women. That, that's what they say. Right? When Paul wrote about the covering of heads, well, who is he to do that? They, he doesn't know that the covering of heads is there. He didn't, you know, these, these are some of the things that they question Paul about. Paul has the authority. Amen. He was called by God. And when he wrote, he wrote as he was moved by the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. He has the authority. Secondly, nobody has the right to call themselves an apostle today. Right. Do not be led away by those who are claiming, with, they're claiming to be some high and mighty special believer or something. Do not be led away by them. It is just, remember, it's the simplicity of the gospel. That is what we look for. Right. That is what saves people. Right? And the last thing I want for you all to understand that we do have a responsibility to maintain truth and not just to maintain it, but to propagate it also. And our messages should always be biblically centered, always. It is God's word that has power. It is not the preacher. It is the word of God that has power in it. God would use his word. So I want to encourage you as a church here today I know this might be some sort of educational message in the sense to tell you about salvation and things, but the Word does tell us that Jesus died to save sinners. And you need to see this, that if you are not born again, Jesus said to a man who was very educated, a man of high prominence, he was a ruler. He was a, he was a big boy, that's how we put it. Right? But he was on his way to hell. Because he was not born again. Yes. And Jesus said, except a man be born again. He cannot even see the kingdom of heaven. Amen. You must be born again. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Amen. You need to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What do I mean by that? Trusting Jesus Christ is like giving your all to him. Realizing that you have nothing good in you, but anything good Amen. is all of him. It's all of him. Recognizing that we are all sinners. Every single one of us are sinners. But if your sin has not been paid for on Calvary's cross, then you will pay for it yourself. That's right. So you must be born again. So I will close this message today with saying that except you be born again, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. And I wouldn't say that God is not willing that any should perish. It is his elect. If you are one of his elect, you will never perish because he's not willing for you to perish. All shall be called unto repentance. So, beloved, I'm saying to you this, this, this morning trust the Lord Jesus Christ.
live for him. There's nothing better in this world to do. God bless you as we look to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, Lord, we thank you for your word. I know, God, it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by thy spirit, said the Lord of hosts, and we bless you most holy name. Hallelujah, O oh God, there is not a God beside you, Lord. I thank you, God. Your mercies are everlasting upon your people, Lord. And I thank you, O oh God. Bless us, keep us close to thee. Increase our faith, forgive us for our sins, O oh Lord. In our weaknesses, O oh God, strengthen us, O oh God. Have your will in our lives, O oh God. Thank you, God, for this church. Bless them, Lord. Keep them close to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.